Good morning. My name is Rob Selleck, and I have the privilege and honor to be with you. It's been a couple months since I got to teach in uh, big church, main service with you guys. We're going to continue on in Mark, and if you've been with us, you've seen as we've been studying the Gospel of Mark, and we've been moving along pretty fast. So if you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to uh, just pick up where we left off. And basically what we've seen so far is an explosion of Jesus' ministry. He, is, he was baptized, and, and, and now he, 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 what, verse 15 of chapter 1, he starts his ministry and he boldly proclaims, chapter 1, verse 15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, so therefore repent and believe in the gospel. And he starts his teaching ministry on earth. And it picked up momentum quick. In fact, the people that heard him said that, man, we have never seen anyone teach with such authority like this. And the crowds kept growing. And people were showing up in the groves to see him and to witness the miracles and the healings. And the crowds got bigger and bigger and bigger. Last week we, we, we saw in chapter 3, if you look at verse 14, his ministry is now becoming developed. Verse 14 of chapter 3, and he pointed the twelve. And we talked about so that they would be with him and that he could send them out, that would and could, that he was teaching to build people up, to train and equip for a purpose to be sent out and make an impact. And we're going to pick up on chapter 4, verse 1. It's kind of a fun text we're doing this morning. So here is verse 1. It says, He began to teach again by the sea the Sea of Galilee, and such a very large crowd gathered to him. We're talking the crowds at this point of time in his ministry. People were coming from far away to watch him. Easily 10,000 people. Some commentators say all the way up to 25,000 people. That's a big group. Such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down. And the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. They would crowd him, and it's been a problem before, we've seen already. So he literally used the shoreline as a definition, like a gate, and he got into a boat, and naturally it kind of made an amphitheater, which helped make it realistic to teach to that many people. So he's in a boat, and they're on the shoreline, gathered around. The whole crowd was by the sea on the land, verse 2, and he was teaching them many things in parables. We were introduced to... To parables last week and he just started using them and Jesus used parables a whole lot in his ministry when we continue in Mark we're going to see him a throughout almost every chapter about a third of all recorded teachings of Jesus are done in parables why because they were so effective he could explain things to them that they could understand and basically what a parable is it's an earthly common simple story that has a parallel spiritual heavenly meaning and that's parable comes from the root word parallel to put two things parallel so we can contrast the similarities versus the differences so it's this common story that everyone would understand and through that common story he's going to show us a deeper heavenly spiritual meaning a parable this parable is interesting because he gives the parable and then he goes away and his disciples say, hey, uh, can you explain that to us? 
Then right after he gives the parable, he gives the explanation. And he does the same format. So he goes right through the parable and he goes right through an explanation. So today, we're going to go through it in that order. We're going to actually, as we look at the parable, we're going to also look at the explanation. Work through them both at the same time. So verse 2, as he was teaching them many things in parables and was saying to them in his teaching, and I like this, verse 3, if I ever had the opportunity to watch Jesus preach, I'd want to witness a message that he begins like this. Right? Can you imagine? He's sitting on a boat. There's thousands of people. Hey, listen up. Like, all right, I'm listening. He says, listen up, behold. He's literally now saying, beseech you. What I'm about to say is important. My message is heavy. I need you to listen. So he says, listen to this, behold. And he starts the parable. It's quite simple. He says that the sower went out to sow. A sower was in the agricultural community, but he had a specific job. His job was to, do you know? Scatter seed. Root word, back then it was to broadcast. Broadcasters were around before the radio. So he was a broadcaster of seed. He would go around and literally broadcast the seed. Simple enough. So now let's look at the definition of that. That's going to be verse 14. He says, the sower sows the word and gives us insight to that so in the parable the sower is one throwing the seed in the explanation it is a person proclaiming or preaching the gospel all on the same page all right let's go back to the parable verse four as he was sowing some seed fell besides the road and the birds came and ate it up how the fields were laid out there would be uh, large fields and their communities were spread out as rural type communities and their fields would be defined by roads. We would look at them and call them paths or trails. They're just dirt roads. And then also they'd be in between kind of divided up by these paths because if you were walking, you'd want to take the shortest way. So if people were scattered around the valley, they would have kind of paths going all different ways and those would be their roads. The roads would be compacted. They'd be hard dirt from people walking on them, from animals walking on them, from the carts. And if they plowed their field or conditioned their field, they would leave the roads alone. So these roads stayed hard. So when the, the sower was broadcasting a seed, what would happen is the seed would be just go everywhere and parts of it would fall next to the road or on the road. And the road was hard, so the seed stayed on top. And have you ever ate lunch at the beach and had a bird come? Yeah, so we know birds were just as smart then as they are now. They know it's easy lunch at the beach when we're eating there. Have you ever fed one bird? You think, oh, he's cute. I'll feed one, and then pretty soon you have a whole bunch. These birds knew that this was easy eating. They would hang out by these roads when the the sower was out scattering, and as soon as that seed hit the hard ground, swoop up and swipe it away. So that's the first type of soil in the parable. Now let's look at the explanation, and that's going to be found in verse 15. He says, These are the ones who are besides the road, where the word is sown, and when they hear, and I want you to notice that they do hear the word, it says, Immediately Satan comes and takes the word which has been sown in them. He says, The parallel is just like how the seed hits the hard dirt and the birds come. When certain people hear the word with hard hearts, 
it does not penetrate them, and it sits right on the surface, and it too is swiped up. It's that embittered heart. It's the cynical heart. It's the heart who hears the word probably against their own will, trying to please somebody else instead of please God. It's the heart that if they were sitting in church, what was spoken, what was preached, what they heard would be gone from them before they left the sanctuary. And he gives us his contrast. It's like the seed that hits the road and the heart that is hardened when it hears the word. Second type of soil, back to the parable, verse 5. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. Galilee was a rocky place, still is. And it's not just like they had rocks like we think of rocks or, or pebbles or, or you know th- that type of thing. We're talking huge outcroppings of like bedrock. And the bedrock would be parallel with the ground. So you'd have good dirt and then you'd have... The, the rocky soils, and it might be dusted, but it would just be a thin layer of dirt on top. So when the sower was out sowing his seed, he would sow the entire field, and it would look good. And he would throw a seed, and what would happen on the rocky soil, the, the, the seed would take, unlike the road, it would take into the dirt, and, and the first thing that happens is the roots go down. But because there was no room for the roots, it would just start to grow, it would hit the rock, and then the plant, instead of going down and building its base, it would start shooting up. So an unexperienced farmer might get happy. He might sit there and say, look at how good it's coming over here and over there. But an experienced farmer, he'd be like, oh, over here, I'm going to lose that. Over there, I'm going to lose that. That's rocky ground. It might be the first one to show a blade of growth, but they knew that because there was no depth, as soon as the, the sun, the scorching heat came, that these areas were going to die. Even though it looked good before the rest of it, it didn't have time or it didn't have the opportunity to grow roots. So those spots, those places would be wasted. And we can look at the explanation in verse 16. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom the seed was sown on rocky places, who when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. But they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. And when afflictions or persecutions arise because of the word, immediately they fall away. And he describes the type of hearer of the word who also heard the word, but still doesn't come to bear fruit. And because of persecution, because of hard times, because of the, the well, what's it say? because afflictions and persecutions arise because of the word immediately it falls away these are believers that hear the word and they like a part of it they like the social aspect maybe well man I like being at church I like being a part of this community I might even like going to retreats I like the friends I have maybe it's a check mark I want a well balanced life and part of it should be religion It reminds me, this soil, this type of here, that comes with excitement but doesn't have the roots. It reminds me, have you ever heard the story of the rich young ruler? This rich young ruler, he's probably a good-looking guy. He's probably well-educated, sharp. 
And as he came up to Jesus with excitement. He ran to Jesus and said, Lord, Lord, what do I have to do to enter into the kingdom of heaven? With excitement. I'm sitting there thinking, wow, what would we do as a church? We'd say, great, sign on up, come on in. But you know what Jesus did? He said, man, to do that, you're going to need roots. And he looked at this guy and said, you need to follow my commandments. And, and he said, well, great, I, I'm doing that. And Jesus turned to him and said, all right, I want you to sell all of your possessions. And I want you to give it to the poor. There's a cost to discipleship. And I said, wow. You know what the response was to this rich, educated, sharp young ruler was? It says that he went away grieved. He went away sad because great was his possessions. Wow, there's a reality here. And I think that defines this type of, of soil. He's saying that we can't be a shallow here or a shallow heart. We've got to be willing to remove ourselves and put God in his appropriate place. We can see the third type of soil. It's verse 7. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it out, and it also yielded no crop. Pretty simple. If you've ever planted a garden, if not, you can come to our house plant in our garden, you plant a seed and it just seems like a bunch of weeds grow. And in these scenarios, the weeds, and we're talking big fields, the weeds would come up and create a canopy blocking the needed sunlight. The roots would kind of intermix and, and take the moisture and the nutrients and really steal and rob from that plant, preventing it from bearing fruit. So let's look at the explanation of this. It's verse 18. The third type of hearer Verse 18, and others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word. They too heard the word like everyone else. But, verse 19, the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. These people too, they hear the word, but they're distracted, they're conflicted, while the word's being taught, maybe their mind's really wandering. They're here physically, but not mentally or emotionally or spiritually. Whether it's worries or riches or desires, something's drawing them out from hearing and receiving and accepting the word being taught. This is where maybe we want to put God and, and our religion into a nice clean box. I got this, and I got this, and I got my desires and my dreams and, and my plans and my worries and my stress and my anxiety, and then I got God, and it's nice and clean, and I don't want my boxes to, to, to intermix. Because then ultimately, that's not how we're supposed to hear the Word of God. And it became unfruitful. Three types of soils so far, and three types of hearers, both with an undesired result. You ready for the good one? The fourth type of soil. Verse 8. Another seed fell into the good soil. And as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced. All right, there's what we're looking for. 
this is the seed. I mean, this is the desired result. This is the whole reason why there was a sower in the first place to go sow and to have it take and have it grow and have it produce. Let's look at the explanation. Verse 20. And those are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the good soil. And they hear, just like the previous three, they heard the word. But what? It says, and... What's the next word? They hear, they hear and accept. And they bear fruit. It's an interesting parable. There's three components to this parable, and I think those three components can get mixed up and, and, and kind of mislead us on the focus. There's the sower, there's the seed, and the soil. And often this is called a combination of one of those threes. The, the sower and the, the soil, the sower and the seed, the seed and the soil. Three components, but as in all parables, Jesus had one main point, one big idea. Is his big idea for us, the church, is, it a, is it the main point about this, about the sower? Look at the introduction to the sower. It says, the sower went out to sow while he was sowing. There's no descriptive words about the sower. The sower is the preacher. It doesn't talk about, did the, the, did the sower throw the seed underhand? Did he throw it overhand? Did he go early in the morning, late at night? Did he use a pattern? It's not about the sower. Did he use a bag or a satchel? Was it a name brand satchel? The point isn't the sower. Is the point, the big idea, what Jesus is trying to communicate here, is it the seed? Because the seed is the word. And the word is the word. We are to present. We are to broadcast. We are to scatter this, not to modify it. If we modify it, it's no longer the gospel of God. It's the gospel of man. So if it's not about the sower, it's not about the seed, is it about the soil? The soil. His, his, his big idea is how do people hear and receive? So let's take it to today. Who is the soil today? Yeah. Kind of personable now, huh? We are the soil, and that is who he's talking to. So many good things about this parable. But we need to make sure that this morning we are crystal clear of what the main point Jesus was making. And it is about how we hear and how we receive the word when it is proclaimed and when it is taught. Look at verse 3. I just want to encapsulate this. I mean, we, we talked about this when it says, and right, he opens up saying, listen to this. Look at verse 9. This is when his disciples, after the crowds left, they asked him, hey, can you explain this to him? Verse 9, it says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Look at verse 23. Same idea. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 24. He was saying to them, Take care what you listen to. Other translation says, Take heed. I love that word, he. Take heed, value, make it a priority of great importance of how you hear. The word hear, listen, or ears within these 24 verses is mentioned 14 times. He is talking to us about how we hear and how we receive the word. And he's saying it's not just good enough for us to, to, to have ears on the side of our head. That's not what he's talking about. It's not these physical ears. 
these little appendages that have membranes inside that decipher, uh, what are those, sound waves, and translate them into words. See, all that can go on, but nothing spiritual can go on. He's talking about a different type of ear here, an ear that he says that only some people have. And to understand this, we're going to have to look deeper. Because there is an ear that hears when the Word of God is taught more than mere words. He's talking about an ear that hears beauty and truth and power through the Word of God. Ears that compel one, ears that transform one, and ears that preserve one. He's talking about spiritual ear, a heart ear. Ear that looks at God's Word and they taste it, they delight in it, they behold it, they love it, they savor it. More importantly, it believes it. To the point it obeys it. And it holds on to it. That's the type of hearing Jesus is calling for. And that's the type of hearing he's talking about with this fourth soil. Now it's interesting, in verses 11 and 12, he talks about, if you have ears, right? If you have ears, let him hear. But let's look at uh, 11 and 12. This is when he's alone and in between the parable and explanation. And they ask him in verse 10, hey, can you explain this to us? In verse 11 he says, and he was saying to them, and this is key, to you it has been given. It has been given. It is a gift. To you it has been given, the mystery of the kingdom of God. But those who are outside get everything in parables. Have you ever thought of your ability to hear with spiritual ears the word of God as a gift that has been given to you? I think oftentimes we look at the one preaching the word as one that might have a gift of preaching. But have you ever thought in the same way of the the preacher having a gift that you have a gift too that's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, to hear the word. And preaching is one thing, and it's critical. But Jesus is now telling us hearing is another thing, and it too is critical. Notice there is nothing in this text about the effectiveness of preaching. It is all about the effectiveness of hearing. He's saying take heed how you hear. Not take heed how you preach. Mind-blowing. All of us, the soil, all believers, followers of Jesus Christ have been given a gift from God and have been called to something awesome and we are called into the ministry of hearing. You ever know? Mark's not here today, so we're going to talk about him. You know you got a good senior pastor when, when, he's, when the weekend he takes off, he's at NASCAR. That's pretty cool. I think we would agree. Mark has a calling on his life to preach the Word of God. It's evident. Have you ever thought that, or did you know, or have consciously thought about that he spends the majority of his week studying and prepping and dividing God's Word so he can come, stand before us, and say, Thus saith the Lord with accuracy? And as a church, we value that. In fact, as a church, we want to allow him the time. We don't want to give him too many things to do, so he can do that because we value that. And he works diligently. Like, I mean, sometimes I know it's, I mean, he's, he's here like Saturday morning early because he's still studying. He's upwards of 30 plus hours a week just on his message. And he works that hard, and we want him to work that hard, yeah? Have you ever thought, though, 
how hard do we work to come in to be prepared to do what we're gifted to do? Because he's working really hard to preach it. Are we coming in in a way to accept it, to receive it? Kind of an interesting thought. If you've been at the Rock Community Church, you probably know that we are a Bible-centric preaching church. We value, we preach the word line upon line. How's that saying go? Word upon word. We all know it. Have you ever stopped and thought what Jesus is... <laughs> we all know that saying except me. <laughs> Have you ever stopped? I think what Jesus is saying here, but are you a Bible-centric hearing church? Do you hear the word? Line upon line, word by word, verse by verse? And that's what this text is all about. Then you have a high calling, church, to hear the word of God. And if you're not convinced yet, there's more. He goes on to tell us why we should be so vigilant to how we hear Let's look at verse 25. This is after the explanation. He says, For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Interesting verse. It kind of capstones this whole parable. Whoever has, there's a positive, and whoever doesn't have, there's a negative. Have what? What is he talking about there? Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. That is what he's talking about. He's saying that there is a great importance to listening, and whoever has ears to him, more shall be given. What more shall be given? If you notice, there's one part of the parable I left off. Go back to verse 8. It's about the good soil. Other seed fell on the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced. Did you see this at the end? 30, 60, and 100 fold. The people hearing this parable would have understood everything, but when they heard this, they would have been baffled. 30, 60, 100. An average fold was 7 to 8 times, or folds in this time. A fold was just a ratio of how, many, how much seed it took to plant the field and then how much seed they would get out of it after they harvest it to plant future fields. Seven to eight fold was considered success. To hear 30, 60, 100 would have been mind-boggling. Never heard of before. So let's tie that together. It says, To him who has ears to hear, more shall be given. So the importance of hearing God's word for what it is with the ears that is a gift for us to have, he's saying is the utmost important, church, because when we hear with that, to them more will be given. And given in quantities that will blow our minds. The leadership of this church, our staff, our pastors, and our elders are godly men. They do a great job protecting and guiding and leading this church, planning and charting the courses they feel God is leading us in obedience and Jesus is saying that if we are a church, though, that preaches and that hears and receives, that what God will do with us will so far surpass whatever we could plan and dream and think of in this church, that he's going to bless us beyond things that we can imagine. 30-fold? 60-fold? If we're a church that will hear and accept the word of God.
because to him who hears, more shall be given. It's a shocking climax, 30, 60, 100 fold. So take heed to how you hear. And then the flip side of verse 25, the negative, and whoever does not have, have what? Ears to hear. Even what he has shall be taken from him. And we saw that in the first three soils. They all heard the word proclaimed, but even what they had, it was taken from them for one reason or another. Because they didn't hear it and accept it. I was chuckling this week a little bit to myself as I was studying a couple months ago when I was got a teach-in service here. Uh, I taught on the 23rd Psalms, the Lord is my shepherd. And I thought it was kind of funny, right? I, I, if you were here, I, I told us that we were sheep. And I was thinking, that's funny. Now today I'm going to tell you that you're dirt. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're digressing here. No, but I think dirt is a, it's an awesome analogy. And I, I've taught this parable before in the parallel account of Luke. This is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And um, this, this concept of dirt, and we made an acro- acronym for it, D-I-R-T. And when you're hearing the word of God, at least what I try to do is I think of this, and it's just, for me, it stands for, did I receive this? Because that's really the key. Because he who has ears, let him hear. As we come to hear the word of God, are we hearing it? Are we accepting it? funny in life I look at my past and, and, and I get into scripture like this and, I, and I'm challenged and when I was younger um, I loved playing sports I loved competing I really just play anything that I can compete at hopefully win I enjoyed winning a lot of sports I would take very seriously one sport and I think it's a great example of this I, I was a water polo player and, and, and when you play water polo you have to swim and my water polo coach from high school is here. Thanks for coming. Don't ask him stories from back then. Um, swimming was an interesting thing because you're a high school guy, right? And if you qualified to like a big event, if you made CIF or something like that, you would spend like two weeks before your, your event. And, and he would run us through this. It was called a taper. And you would start conditioning very specifically for two weeks away for an event. And your whole life would change. You would, we'd wear Speedos, and you'd wear a drag suit to make more resistance, and you would change your eating and your nutrition and the times and the workouts. It was very purposeful every day. It was called this taper so that you would peak during your event two weeks from then. And we'd go through this whole exercise. And as a high school guy, the night before the race, you know what we'd do? We would shave our whole bodies. And we would do it just amped up. Everything, yeah. The day of the race, you wouldn't just, a Speedo wasn't good enough, so they were called paper suits. And picture a French cut Speedo. Five sizes too small. Because this would make you faster. Before the race, we would rub our hands on concrete so, we, so our, 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 our skin would be extra sensitive. And it was as normal. And we did this willingly because we wanted to do everything we could to be ready and be prepared to do the very best. In all of our own ways, you probably can have a, you know, a similar story to what you've been into. And I sit there and ask, am I willing 
to prepare myself to be a hearer of God's word? Because I think that's what he's talking about. Are we positioning ourselves to, get, to, to receive it, to accept it, to let it grow in us so we can produce fruit, so he can work through us? challenging and looking at my life am am I really doing things am I guarding what I watch am I guarding what I hear am I guarding what I listen to am I being intentional about this time do I look at Sunday as like Super Bowl Sunday every Sunday we get a feed on God's word because he's saying man church if you have ears hear because the gift's been given to you to understand the kingdom of God. And to you who has been given, more shall be given. And as church, if we hear and accept the word of God, he will do things in and through us that will radically blow our minds. So far beyond what we can imagine. So far beyond what we could plan for. Dirt. Did I receive this? Good word? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for guiding us to the importance to hear and to receive your word. Lord, we want to be people. We want to be families. We want to be a church that takes heed to how we hear. Lord, we don't want to simply be hearers, but we want to hear with a spiritual ear. We want to be hearers that receive and accept and hold on to what we've learned. We want to be a church that hears the word and is challenged and convicted and changed by it. Lord, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for teaching us. We thank you for warning us. Let us be a church that heeds to your warning. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the cross for giving us a way to be redeemed and made whole. Lord, it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.